You know, we're living in a society. We're supposed to act in a civilized way. Does she care? No. Does anyone ever display the slightest sensitivity over the problems of a fellow individual? No. No. A resounding no. Hey, sorry I took so long. Oh, that's okay, really. Don't worry. Hello and welcome to the 51st episode of Egg Timer Philosophy, a podcast where philosophical ideas are scrambled up in about five minutes. Today, we'll be taking a look at the basic views of Thomas Hobbes' approach to the social contract found in his influential 1651 book, Leviathan. You can find the full text of that book with a quick Google search, but it's a pretty massive read of around 400 pages from cover to cover. Leviathan was the first fully developed effort at what philosophers today call social contract theory. We see ideas related with social contract theory going all the way back to the Platonic dialogue, such as Credo, but no thinker before Hobbes was so exacting in laying the groundwork for a complete theory. Now, social contract theory strives to tell a story about how people move from an initial situation of having no government or civil society this is often referred to as a state of nature, to a situation where people agree to have these things. Some historians engage in a similar process. The difference is that the historian is interested in describing how this transition from no government to government took place. And that makes sense given that history is essentially a descriptive discipline. Hobbes and other philosophers, though, who engage in social contracts theory, strive to add normative or moral implications to this story. For example, Hobbes in Leviathan wants to evaluate when people ought to agree to remove themselves from the state of nature and form a government with legally enforceable laws. What should such a government be like before people agree to abandon the state of nature in favor of it? Before Hobbes or anyone else can answer that question, we need to first figure out what the state of nature would be like. Is it a really good situation? If so, then no one would rationally, rationally leave it for a government unless that government or civil society was even better. But if the state of nature is very bad, the standards for wanting out and forming a government decrease dramatically. Hobbes sees things in the state of nature as very bad. One major reason for this is because he sees the state of nature and the state of people in that state of nature as fairly bad. People are naturally selfish for Hobbes, and they'll generally pursue their own ends, their own selfish ends, as much as possible. And it's worth noting here that Hobbes lived through a period of horrible civil war in England, and that could have very greatly impacted his views about human nature and his ensuing thoughts about how human nature is bad and selfish. His famous line here is that life in the state of nature is nasty, brutish, and short. Without government and laws, there is no one to restrain people from acting on their worst urges. Sometimes the state of nature is described as a place where there is no sheriff, but that isn't quite right. Instead, something like the opposite is actually true. The state of nature is a place where everyone is the sheriff. Things in the state of nature are pretty horrible for Hobbes, and because of this, he thinks that basically any state is preferable to this awful situation. Where everyone is sheriff, 
everybody can simply go around doing whatever they please. People would be wise to get out of this state of nature as soon as possible and agree to a government with a very strong leader, or sovereign, as Hobbes puts it. The strong sovereign is the force that prevents people from acting in the horrible ways they would in the state of nature. And without this very strong sovereign, Hobbes suggested a government formed to lead the state of nature will just revert back soon enough. So if people form a government without a strong sovereign, it'll denigrate and it'll go back to the state of nature. That, that's Hobbes' view here. Will this sovereign be nice or respect the human rights of people or even care about the greater good? Likely not. But what he or she will do is keep people out of their nasty, brutish, and short existence that they would have had in the state of nature. And so, according to Hobbes, people should agree to almost any terms of government set forth by the sovereign. This is the only way to stay out of real trouble. But even Hobbes has his limit for what people ought to agree to in order to remove themselves from the state of nature. We see this in his discussion of the natural right of self-defense. This is the one right that Hobbes argues is inalienable that people cannot remove themselves from. A person has designs on leaving the state of nature and acquiescing to government to better secure their survival. So agreeing to a governing sovereign who can deny you defense of your own life makes little sense. It wouldn't be rational to take that bargain. The deference to the right of self-defense for Hobbes marks a red line for him that limits the legitimate scope and power of government. Since Hobbes, many influential political philosophers such as John Locke, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and John Rawls have wrestled with social contract theory. All of them share the similarity of thinking that Hobbes greatly undersold the deal that rational people ought to take in order to move from the state of nature to a political system of government and law. This is because just about everyone since Hobbes rejects the view that human nature will result in such a bad state of affairs in that state of nature. Yes, there will be problems without government, and these problems give people reason to form governments. But the problems, so the thought goes, are not so bad as to necessitate agreeing to the rule of a brutal sovereign who uses an iron fist potentially, leaving only the right of self-defense. Ultimately, Hobbes shows us that questions of political legitimacy fall back to the even greater and deeper terrains of human nature and the conditions surrounding what things would be like if people had no government or laws to restrain them. Until next time on Egg Timer Philosophy, wishing you good philosophical vibes.